Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Yes, yes, yes. Hello and welcome to another episode of Affirmative Murder, the Equal Opportunity Murder Podcast. I am Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner in true crime, Francel Evans. What up? Uh, folks, it is, it has been a very hectic week. A lot of news coming down the pipeline from Jesse Smollett has been, that story has just gone up and down and down and up and all around. Uh, long story short, he is being charged and coincidentally, in the same exact cell, as it's seeming like, two mugshots have come out this week. One of Jesse Smollett up against a gray brick wall and appears to be Robert uh, Nasty Man Kelly in the same room up against the same wall getting his mugshot taken. They both got arrested in Chicago. Hmm. So uh, Robert Kelly is due in to court on March 8th on 10 counts of uh, criminal sexual abuse charges. and these Ten. Are new- Ten. Ten counts of criminal sexual abuse charges. Uh, he is facing the rest of his life in prison, and I have no sympathy for him uh, because the things that he is being accused of, and I believe most of, if not all of it, are horrible mm-hmm. and terrible things. He's keeping uh, parents from seeing their children and sexually dominating women and making them identify as uh, other sex sexualities and just all kind of craziness shenanigans that that man is deserves to be put under the jail for. So that has come down the pipeline. Like I said, the Jesse Smollett thing, I'm kind of over talking about it. It's, it's, it's been a, a bunch of nonsense, but he is being charged by the Chicago police department, which is one of the more corrupt police departments in recent history. That is all true. I want to make that clear to everybody. That is all very true. There's plenty of cases that were not, were not done properly. The Laquan McDonald case was a mess and it ended up ending up that that officer was charged and um, convicted of, um, I don't even know, second degree murder or something. He's going to, the officer that shot Laquan McDonald like 14 times is going to prison after a messy, it was so much other, you know, things going on. But in the R. Kelly case, I think what happened was R. Kelly had um, the money to sustain uh, police, you know, lookout Mm. for however many years. And then, Finally, when the money started to get low, this documentary series came out at the right time to expose all of that shit mm. at a time where he wasn't as, isn't as popular as he was 10, 12, 15 years ago. So that's not on his side where you can go, well, let me just drop another hit. <laughs> so he didn't have that weapon in his back pocket. 
He didn't have. He doesn't have the money like he used to have, mm-hmm. and the evidence was so overwhelming that I think the police, the police department, whether it you know was only a couple of guys that he was paying or whatever, I allegedly is what I believe. Whatever it was, the story got so big, and he wasn't able to finesse it like he could 10, 15 years ago. That they had, they finally had to go. Well, we gotta, we gotta bring him in. Mm-hmm. We can't. He can't pay us. He can't get out of it on his own with a good song. So this shit has gotten way out of hand. This, this, the, the shows are out. People are coming, banging on our door. People are protesting out in front of the police department. So let's just bring him in. Yeah. So I think that's what finally brought R. Kelly down is that like, um. His enterprise cost so much money to run, his popularity dwindled to nothingness, so he's not seeing as much money, or if any, and you still got those expenses, paying off people, you know, housing these women and these all these houses, and he's getting losing properties and all this kind of stuff. And finally, it all caught up with them because that's what happens when you run a criminal enterprise. Because Just that's what, time. yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's what that's what this is, and that's. I hope that uh, R. Kelly goes full Takashi Six Nine. I want the whole thing to come down. I want him to expose the guys that were wrangling these women because you you don't get away with things he got away with without the system in place. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't control 10, 15 women in different states and different. Got him in different houses and flying them out. This is a network, and I hope he brings down the whole thing. I want everybody exposed. I hope every everybody that was in that documentary. There were guys in there that was like, "Oh, I was I was uh, Rob, I was R. Kelly's tour manager." He needs to be. I want every. I want information on all of them. They all need because that that whole thing is gross. Mm-hmm. Because all of them, I know that we live in a different time now, and you know they're putting milk. I mean, stuff in the milk, and so girls are developing at a young age and all this kind of stuff. But you know when a girl's fourteen years old. Mm-hmm. And a lot of guys sat around that guy and watched him pick children from the crowd and bring backstage, and they went, well, the check cleared, so, mm. you know, I, 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 it's my job, so that's not my business. I'm going to look this way. A lot of people did that for a lot of years, you know? So that whole case is messy. I, I hope he gets thrown under the jail. I hope he gets get found guilty on all 10 charges, you know? And I don't like to speak on sending people to jail because I know how horrible it is, but I can't think of a better place that he des- deserves to be in. So um, that that happened this week. Also this week, a story that we uh, touched on a year ago, almost to the day, uh, happened in January 2018. Uh, the House of Horrors, the Cal- that California ca- uh, family with that dude who had the coconut head haircut with the bangs, mm-hmm. and he kept all his kids in the basement. Um, they pled guilty to a bunch of cases of, you know, you know, child abuse and all this kind of stuff. They'll probably spend the rest of their life in jail. Mm-hmm. Uh, their names are uh, Louise Turpin and David Turpin. Uh, they had 13 children in their basement. Dang. They were rarely allowed to bathe. Some of them were chained to furniture. Um, his haircut is also a crime in itself. Oh, yeah. Um, we the, had the, the dumb and dumber haircut? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he, <laughs> and he sat in court uh, when he pled guilty. His wife was crying, and he just sat there and guilty, you know. He, he had no emotion behind any of it, so he's clearly wow. a psycho, yeah. you know, to do that to children, let alone your children. I mean, they, some of these kids are like 27 years old mm-hmm. and look 12 because they're, mal, they, they're malnourished. Mm. You know, they were kept in the basement, didn't see a lot of sunlight, didn't get a lot of healthy food, chained to furniture, not allowed to grow, and... That's, I mean, they're they're traumatized, man. I don't, I hope they get all the help that they need, and I'm glad this went plea instead of going to trial because 
thing. You got to put these kids on the stand. Yeah. And for the most part, dragged along yeah. And for the most part, they were allowed to stay anonymous through this whole thing. That's Whenever good. you see pictures, their faces blurred. Good. And and I hope I want them to have that anonymity. I don't want them to be the yeah. Oh, y'all are the basement kids and do a TLC show and mm-hmm. unless that's what they want to do. I hope not. You know, we live in a very like exploitative kind of time. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't be surprised if this show comes out like twelve. 12 and counting or whatever like they're all on living in a house together and mm-hmm. you know want to tell their story and get you know so i mean i still wouldn't be surprised if somebody just like yeah i know who they were and then it just the word spreads oh if you really wanted to find out who they were you absolutely could yeah. do that i just i think for the most part everybody's like yeah let them live their life but we really could good people of, say that yeah it's one of those kind of things where remember remember when sia came out and she was wearing wigs. Oh, yeah. If we really wanted to know who... It was, everybody was like, oh, my God, like, who is she? It's so mysterious. If we really wanted to know who Sia was, we could... There were people who knew who she was. I don't, mean, I don't like, know who the gorillas are. That's very true. But if you really wanted to know, you could find out. You oh. know what I mean? It's that one of those kind of things where it's like, <laughs> you like the mystery. Yeah. You're like, yeah, I don't know. They're cartoons. <laughs> but, like, they're not. We know they're not really cartoons, but... If you I really want to know, I want to live in the life that they are cartoons. That's what I mean. I want to live in the life where these twelve kids get to just go on about uh, their life, and we don't yeah. know what they look like, and they just get to live their life. I hope that's what they want to do. But if they want to make a TLC show and you know tell their story, they're free to do that. Mm-hmm. But I would just want to be done with this. Mm-hmm. What we what else we got this week? Oh, <laughs> it it is with a slightly heavy heart that I must uh, flame Robert Kraft because oh, that yeah. story was wild. Yeah. He, he is worth six billion dollars, mm-hmm. and he's getting rubbed off at a a par a massage parlor in Jupiter, Florida. I don't even know where that. I don't even I've know where even that heard is. Of that before, so you know, and and the crazy part is that is just the B story. I I have no stake in you know the Patriots or anything like that, but I believe that Robert Kraft is just a guy who was looking for a hand job at a massage parlor. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's mixed up in the child in the in the sex trafficking part of this. I think he I went into that. a. I think he went into a massage parlor where the women who work at that massage parlor are victims of sex, sex trafficking. But I think he just was like, "Oh yeah, man, my buddy told me about a place where you know they give you like a happy ending mm. if you give them some extra money or you say like you know the weather's nice today and then they give you a happy ending." So I don't I don't think that he's mixed up in that part of it directly, but he is. He did contribute to it, so that's fucked up, right? But I just want to. That's how I feel about it. How old is he? About oh, 70? Man, when they did all that whole press run after they won, that dude looks like he might have dementia. So He probably going there with that two hours after he popped that V. Oh, yeah, and he's ready to go. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But um, They say he wasn't the only name, though. Oh, for sure. Oh, and you know, Mar-a-Lago, that's Trump's, uh, that's Trump's golf course. I don't know how far Mar-a-Lago is from Jupiter, uh, but I'm sure Donald Trump, mm. him and Donald Trump, they're boys. Yeah. I'm sure uh-huh. I'm sure he's, hey, Ra, hey uh, Donnie, you want to come down yep. to... Uh, Happy uh, happy endings on the Rise of the Sun That's massage sick. parlor. You know, I'm sure it was some crazy names on that list, but Robert Kraft appears to be the biggest name. Mm-hmm. Um, I, again, I'm, I'm not trying to shoot him bail or anything like that, but I'm just saying, it's like that case, the Centoya Brown case. Mm-hmm. Like, that guy was having sex with a 16-year-old girl. That's not cool. But the narrative of that whole thing was that he was sex trafficking her. And that's not the case of what that was. No. He was a guy indulging in America's oldest profession, which is prostitution, sex work. It is, you know, um, uh, maybe he should have asked her for her ID 
but he didn't, and he did have sex with a minor, and nothing is okay about that. But he isn't a sex trafficker. Mm. That is, that's not his crime. He did do something really gross and fucked up. And I don't even know if Robert Kraft did something gross and fucked up. If a place... I'm not ruling out he is a millionaire, so... Oh, no. Let me be clear. <laughs> he might have done some gross and fucked up shit mm-hmm. at other points. But in this case, um, in Vegas, they have uh, rub and tug massage parlors. You know what I mean? I don't know if they're all sex... Oh, tra- they do, really? Yeah, man. No, I'm, I'm going to cut that, man. <laughs> you got a family. Uh, <laughs> so... <laughs> So I don't know I don't know where those women are from or if they're doing this the things that they do in those massage parlors under duress mm-hmm. but if they aren't you, I I'm a firm believer in I'm very I'm very sex positive. I believe that if a man or a woman uh it, it is providing a service of sexuality and they charge for it, they have every right to do that. It's their body and if somebody wants to indulge in the service, that's none of my business. Yeah. You want to fuck somebody and they give you $400? That's your business. That doesn't that doesn't affect me. I don't even really understand how it can be against the law, you know, but it's a lot of things that are against the law in this country that yeah. I don't understand. But if it's like, you know, for me, I always think of it like, you know, for the most part, we're all paying for it in some way, you know. Women, you pay for it with your time. Some women pay for it with money. You buy your boyfriend that you, uh, you buy your boy toy. That ain't the same. It is, it is not as common uh, stereotypically. But they're definitely sugar mamas. Yeah. Just like they're sugar daddies, they're sugar mamas. And it's not, is it the same thing as, as sex work? No. But I'm just saying, like, what's the difference in, you know, quote unquote tricking, buying a woman a bag, buying a guy some clothes because you want to have sex with them? And they're like, oh, the affection of you giving me these items, yeah, I'll throw you a little something, something. And just being like, fuck going to the store, here's the 250, go buy what you want. 250. You'd prefer to be a prostitute. <laughs> Who, me? Yeah. What? No, oh no! Just the two fifty. I was just laughing at the amount. I mean, how much? I mean, I don't. I'd have no listen, idea, man. Listen, I'm uh, just saying. Realistically, how much do you think your penis is worth? I don't know. Like, you don't have a number? No, I don't. I think I think on a good day, eight forty. Wow. You know what I mean? Just time, and I'm a eight. Who was that? Eight forty. Eight forty. What do you? What? How do you get that number? Well, just the time. It would be like you know an hour and seven minutes. You know what I mean? Like, it would be like, so if we're going by the minute, it, would, it wouldn't it would be like a flat number. It would be like... It would Have be you like, thought about this? Have this? I thought that. Everybody doesn't? No. All right, cool. Well, we never mind. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, <laughs> we'll, move, we'll move on. So it's Oscar night. Yeah, no, we'll move on. It's Oscar night, Fran. Uh, I didn't see many of the movies nominated for Best Picture or any of that kind of Surprisingly, stuff. Surprisingly, you haven't. I saw like three of the eight. Okay, don't I lie. saw Black Klansman, which was really good. Yeah. I saw Bohemian Rhapsody, which is the Freddie Mercury document bio biopic. Mm. I liked it a lot. The movie sucked, but the guy who played uh, Freddie Mercury, fantastic job. I believe he'll win Best Picture. This is also coming out tomorrow, which is Monday, so it already happened. Oh. So maybe I predicted the future. I believe that Freddie Mercury will, will win Best Actor mm-hmm. in that in that category. And I saw uh, a, a Black Panther, so I'm rooting for anything that Black Panther's in. Mm-hmm. He, they're up for a, a couple of different nominations. I think they're nominated for Best Picture as well. Good. So um, I'm rooting for any, any category that Black Panther's in, I'm rooting for that. Yeah. Um, I didn't see A Star is Born or any of those other kind of movies that are getting all the buzz, mm-hmm. you know, but everybody's talking about Green Book, which is another one of those, oh man, I'm racist, but then I met a black person and they're nice, so now, wow. 
by the end of the movie, I'm not racist anymore. Is that what that's about? It's one of those kind of movies, yeah. It's wow. like Remember the Titans. It's Driving Miss Daisy. It's what you know. It's one of those kind of movies. Hmm. But I do like Mahershala Ali a lot, who is the main guy in the movie. He's in the new, the new True Detective season, which is great. So I'm, you know, I appreciate that he's a good actor. But I'm just sick of I'm sick of slave movies, and I'm sick of movies where it's like the '60s, and it's about a racist guy, but then or girl. Like the Did you see the Help? Nope. It was like that. The, the help was like about all these uh, maids, these black maids in the 60s mm-hmm. and what it was like being a black maid in the 60s. But then the white women were like, you know something? You taught me how to make fried chicken. So I'm not racist anymore. Wow. That's a snooze fest for me. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't be into that. Much respect, man. We'll move on. Uh, But I gave you, I, po- I, I posed a question to you and I wanted to see if, if you could rattle them offhand. If you what? know your... Not not Oscar because you know everybody Oscar movies are sometimes kind of pretentious and everybody doesn't watch those kind of movies. What are your five faves? Do you have movies? five? Yeah, five fave movies. Can you think of five <sighs> ones that were just like whenever this is on, I'm watching it the whole Step thing. Step Brothers. Step Brothers classic. Um, that's one. That's one. Two would be um, Bad Boys. Bad. Okay. Yeah, that's a good movie. Yeah. Uh, three would no order. Just oh, three no order, no would order. be um. Darn. Um, the movie with uh, Jonah Hill in it. Um, That's a lot of movies. Um, Superbad? McLovin. Yep. Superbad. Superbad. Okay, Superbad. What's that, three? Yes, three. A lot four, of comedies. Four, yeah, a lot of comedies. Four would be um, Will Smith. Uh, oh, shit. What's the mm. movie where he, he gave his body parts away? Seven Pounds? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, what's that, four? That's four. Five would be... Um, bring us home. I remember the people in it, then I did the damn name of the movie. Um, <laughs> shit. What's that love movie? Uh, love damn. Movie. Wow. At the end, at the end, um, so the whole movie, he'd been reading a story to his, his wife. The Notebook? Yep. The Notebook is one of your favorite movies? Yeah, man. I love that movie. <laughs> yeah. I got a DVD. <laughs> yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Thanks for that little bit of information. Uh, yeah, cool. All right. Wow. That's very. So The Notebook. Bad Boys, yeah. Step Brothers, yep. Super Bad, mm-hmm. and Seven Pounds. Yeah. Wow. I'll probably take Seven Pounds out and put Black uh, the Black Panther. In. Black Panther? Yeah. Okay, yeah, no. Yeah, okay. Yeah. But notebook. Be... Wow. Yeah, man. Yeah, no. Yeah, I got you. I can see it in your eyes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a very deep, uh, powerful love story. Is yeah, it? yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. Love that stands the test of time, but doesn't stand the the, the test of the mind. Yeah. You know, so. Yep. Uh, yeah, yeah. Beautiful, beautiful. Um, my five for me. I want to hear this. Would be Moulin Rouge. Okay. Uh, love that movie. Beautiful songs, beautiful uh, uh, <laughs> colors and, and visual things. Uh, I love Ewan McGregor's performance in that. Breathtaking. Uh, Django. Love Django. Okay. Django is fucking. I watched. I would watch Django every day. It is the the D is silent, motherfucker. You it's know. So long though. But it's so good. <laughs> Jamie Foxx. Jamie Foxx kills that. In yeah. Django. That's, that's, that's uh, Juno is a really funny movie. Ellen Page. Uh, that's that's my sixth man right there. You like Juno? Yeah. Juno's good, man. Yeah. Juno's funny. And Michael Saracen. It's been a while. It's been. A, but you know what? I was talking to Sierra about this. That movie's never just on. And I no. think that's weird. Like no. you could just catch Step Brothers. Or, like oh, it's on Comedy Central. Juno is never just on. When I watch Juno, I gotta go get me a bottle of Sunny D. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Classic. That's a really, it's a really, it, it, it it's really a really is. good underrated movie. Yeah. Juno's really good. Yeah, I like that movie. Next Friday, uh, I mean, next Friday, I, 
another movie I could watch that movie every day. Yeah. It is so funny. Yep. It is a great movie. You yeah. know, these are movies that definitely got Oscar snubs. And The Dark Knight. Yep. Uh, I mean, Batman. Yep. I, I don't even need this. Heath Ledger, yeah. The Joker. I might have to switch mine around. You put, yeah, I forgot about next Friday. Yeah, next Friday. <laughs> what are you going to take out? Uh, Notebook. What? <laughs> <laughs> he just did all that emotional shit. Look me in my eyes. Hey, man, the notebook. And it's right. It made it out first. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Not even a question. Yeah, no, I'm taking notebook out right out of there. <laughs> all right, well, this is this might be the first time in this uh, this podcast history that we're actually going to go into good vibes on a good note. That was fun. Yeah, that was, that, was fun little, that was fun little list. So let's keep let's keep it, keep it moving, and we're going to jump into these good vibes. Yes, that's right. Welcome to another Good Vibes segment. Fran, I'm not going to waste any time. I'm just going to go ahead and throw it to you. All right, so my Good Vibes this week, it's not an article. It's not nothing you can find recent right now. Okay. I was watching a show called uh, World's Weirdest Homes on uh, Netflix. Yeah, I've heard of that show. I was watching that, and the first, it's a like a documentary or whatever. Uh-huh. So the first, uh, what's the show? So the, the beginning of it, they talk about a guy named Gregory, Gregory Clone, or Clint, whatever his name is. I okay. think it's Clone. Um, so he's an artist of tiny homes. Okay. He builds tiny houses. So um, he's an artist um, of tiny houses built in Oakland, California. But in the, in the show, he's talking about he started in New York City. Okay. So Clone uses found materials, including illegal, illegally dumped items, um, to build unique structures at a cost of less than thou- less than five thousand dollars. Okay. Now he builds like. Dumpsters, okay? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Listen no, these yeah. dumpsters. Right? Yeah, actually, five, yeah. Yeah, $5,000. I mean, in New York City. We just had a discussion about yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, that's a one-room apartment for rent. You're paying you're paying that <laughs> amount of money to live in uh, basically a dumpster. Yeah, that's nuts. So the houses are typically just over one meter wide and several meters long. and includes doors, windows, and a small wheels for mobility. Um. So Gregory has given away as many as twenty of those houses to formerly homeless homeless people around the city. It's beautiful. Um, so he's known for his designs. His first design was in twenty eleven in Brooklyn, New York City, mm-hmm. out of a dumpster, out outfitting with the the granite countertops, hardwood floors, and rooftop deck and plumbing. Can you imagine being a homeless dude? You get all that stuff all of a sudden. What? You got a you got granite countertops and a rooftop deck. Trash dumpster? Yeah, he got like you go into it. He got it. He got the shower curtain outside. Yep. Got the little hand. What's that thing called? The hand. Um, oh, like you pull it off the detachable yeah. sh- uh, shower. Yeah, that. You know. And then you go in. He got the the, the uh, crank um crank gear for his like his windows that come up as the top. Wow. It's crazy. Yeah, get a nice little breeze. Got his little refrigerator. Day. Got his you know his his the the, the countertops and he crush he's he sure uh. It was a part where he's like chopping his onions up. Uh-huh. Yeah, he got plenty of space. It's crazy. I actually remember that. I actually did see this. And at one point, he gets on top of the dumpster. He's like, yeah, you know. And just relaxing. Like, I got a garden up here. Just relaxing. Just chilling, then man. they show the homeless people, and they got like, they see where they put their shoes at. And shit yeah, like man. That. I mean, the, that's yeah. that's crazy. That's that's probably the thing that makes me the saddest about this country is that like, if you're homeless in this country, it, it's kind of implied that you're not supposed to be have the dignity. Yeah. Like, you can't be homeless and have dignity. And... Yeah, you can be homeless in this country and homeless in the sense of, like, you have a place that doesn't have electricity mm-hmm. or whatever. But, I mean, 400 years ago, nobody had electricity. So right. why, you know, why can't these people just, you know, 
be have something that they can have pride in. It mm-hmm. doesn't just have to be a box that is that you threw towels on. Mm-hmm. You know, like we can help these people. We don't have to build every homeless person. I feel like you know the the answer to for you know you know fiscally conservative people or people that don't want to do social programs are like. I mean, what are we going to give everybody a house with a TV? It's like, no, nah, but like you could build a bunch of little houses that yeah. just are bare minimum. It would take no effort. Just enough that when it's cold and windy in the wintertime, they have four walls that they can walk into with a door yeah. and close and it keeps the wind out a little bit. Yeah. Maybe it's not heat in there, but they can be warmer than they would be if they just were sleeping outside. Or a lot of homeless people sleep on those those hot grates and get and burns. Burn. Yeah. Well, I think... People see this and they're like, oh, we don't have the money or the resources to give everybody TV, to give everybody heat, to give everybody, you know. They might not all, they, they, don't, don't, they don't need they that. Are, they already don't have it. Yeah. I mean, just it's something they can, minimum. they can lay down, be warm, comfortable. Like, come on. That's, I don't think that's that hard. I don't. And this I think. Dude, this dude built it out of a dumpster. Yeah. I, they was, I'm sure they was happy as hell. Yeah. Like, what? I have a door. You know, I'm, I can, I have something. It's again that thing we talked about when you did that Good Vibes segment a couple weeks ago. But it's something to. Take pride in, yeah. You know, like you'd be you'd be surprised what instilling a sense of pride in somebody would do. Mm-hmm. You he might have given one of those to somebody, and they go, "Damn, man, this this is a little dose of like what it's like to be, you know, human in society." Yeah. I'm gonna go try to get a job, or I'm gonna quit drinking, or whatever kind of scenario might have kept them there. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm gonna go make amends with my family, you know, and try to get out of this situation. Right. As opposed to you being a, a homeless person, people don't look at look your way every day. They're mm-hmm. disgusted by you. They don't want to look at you. So that makes you feel bad. You get a little sense of pride. You'd be surprised how far you could go. Right. You know, it just make change your whole perspective on the world. Yeah. And it's another guy, I believe, is another guy named Damian Dean Cummings who was doing the same thing in New York City. But I think his is like, his his taste is a little different. I think his is like a box yeah. that he built. But, I mean, he had some pro- problems, with, problems with the law with his. Like some they just dragging them away. Or, oh yeah, man, it's but, crazy. I don't even. I know it's good vibes, but those are probably some of the most videos that make me the most sick on the internet. Um, I saw a video from Portland, Oregon, I believe it was, and they were people, and it was one of those kind of things where I'm gonna. I always on that when I have a mic in front of me, I always like to give both sides because I don't ever want to sound like a naive person. Mm. So what happened was there were these people in Portland. I'm gonna say because I believe that's where it was. They were giving sandwiches to homeless people like every Tuesday. Mm-hmm. They just say. We're having sandwiches with our friends in the park. That that's what that's how they spread the word, because that was how they would get around all the laws and stuff about like selling food in public or mm-hmm. whatever. They would say, "Well, we're not selling food. We're just giving food. We're just having a picnic. Yeah, we're just giving food to our friends for free." The police still show up. Can't do this. No, can't give out sandwiches. Can't give out food to people. It's public health reasons. They have, you know, they got all those statutes in a book somewhere. Uh, this is Article Thirty Four. You can't give unwrapped food to people in public if you don't have a proper uh, facility to keep the food uh, free from contaminants. And they come through and take all the food away, throw it down on the ground, whatever the case may be. Now the argument was these people that live in these nice neighborhoods or live in these neighborhoods where the parks are. They go. Well, now there's just a bunch of homeless people around here. Yeah. And I get that. But there's a way, I feel like there's a way to go, all right, this needs to shut down by 5 o'clock and then everybody leave and don't loiter around the park. Mm-hmm. As opposed to coming through and being like, no, all oh, this is shut down. You can't feed these people. Get out of here. But I do understand the concept of, it's that kind of thing where, like, I have a basketball court down the street from my house. Mm-hmm. They took the rims down. Yeah. Because basketball rims bring a bunch of kids, middle, not even just kids, uh, 
20, mid 20 year old people. Mm. They come, bring Gatorades, drink half of them, leave them on the court, yeah. don't throw them in the dumpster. And now your court looks a mess. You, yep. you're, you, brought, you brought down the value of my area because this place is bringing unwanted people. Mm. So they take the rims down. But like homeless people, get, giving homeless people sandwiches, man, I just feel like there's a compromise to be made to like things like that. Like this guy you're saying, he's building boxes and they're like, nope, you can't have boxes just around the city. <laughs> For people to live in because it's cold outside. Yeah. And it's like. So you telling me that's more important than like, I mean, we doing the serial killer podcast. Mm-hmm. Then to go out and catch these killers that's killing these random people out here. You rather just I go think, I think it's a shut lot, down sandwich meetings. I, I think it's a lot of things that um could be better. Time can be better spent on than some of the stuff that happens in this country. That's but crazy. I'm not here to condemn people's that's jobs. I know we have some people that, you know, work in law enforcement that listen to this podcast. So I'm not here to constantly be shitting on uh, people that work in law enforcement. There are good people in every profession, and there are bad people in every profession. And every profession has a system. But I mean, come on. Sandwich meetings. Yeah, yeah, no, no, for sure. But <laughs> hey, man, guess what? It's good vibes. So we're not even going to you know, continue talking about that. I'm going to go ahead and tell you about my good vibes. Okay. I want to give a shout out to Sammy Smith because she tagged us in this on the Facebook profile. Um, the group uh, is this, um, this guy, Woody Belfort. Mm-hmm. He was born with cerebral palsy. Uh, so he's in a wheelchair, mm-hmm. and he is not letting that stop him at all. Woody is, uh, he has dreams of becoming a professional bodybuilder. He's been playing in the wheelchair basketball league for 11 years. Mm. Uh, he is the buffest man I've ever seen. Not buff, but like he does calisthenics. So you know how you see those videos, guys in New York doing uh, pull-ups on the the light, like the street lights and like sideways. sideways. Yeah, all, oh, okay. he does that in the chair. Shit. With the whole chair. Like he just buckles himself in the chair. And we'll hop on scaffolding. And pick the whole chair up? Yeah. Damn. That's like an extra 60 pounds. Lift, he'll jump up on a scaffolding and just do pull-ups. Yes. Boom. Boom. He can do a backflip in his chair. He does gymnastics. Um, He's just, and because of my current state, when I found out about this, it really put things into perspective. Because mm-hmm. sometimes I get a little bit down like, man, I'm going to be out of commission for a little bit. Yeah. But my ailment has an end date. Like my ailment has yeah. like, if I do all the right things, by this point, at some point in the near future, I'll be back to walking and all this kind of things. So when I saw this guy, Woody Belfort, and what he's been accomplishing, he he never has been able to walk. He was born with a debilitating ailment that he's stuck in a chair, and he's not letting that stop him from doing anything. He's got abs. It's dudes that's fully able to walk around and go to the gym that don't have ab- don't have abs. A lot of them. Yeah. You know? So a dude who is half of his body doesn't work is... His the other half of his body that does work works better than the way beyond that. He's in the top percentile of of upper bodies. Does he have Instagram? Um, I'm sure he does. He does all. He goes and crowd surfs uh, at at shows and all kind of stuff. He does handstands on his chair. Yeah, this dude Woody is uh very much a inspiration. I got a cool Instagram name for him. Please, Wheel Strong. That's nice. Wow. Speech impediment. I'm wheel. But, I'm wheel strong. Yeah. Is that what you meant? Yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for sure. I think that's good though. Yeah, I like that. I like that. I might send that to him. He might pay me. Might be his manager or something. His yeah. Uh, his his uh, his Instagram. <laughs> yeah. Be, I'm sure he doesn't have any of those. Things. <laughs> uh, his um his his uh, Instagram name is Woody underscore Belfort. Oh, uh, I was so, about to say. Yeah, I thought you were about to say. I was about to say. Oh. No, you thought it was wheel wheel strong. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. Uh, so I want to give it just I just want that was just a quick. I mean, look. damn. Yeah, he does a the whole chair. Let the whole chair, bro. You can find him. That's a picture of him doing a. He's on. He's hand standing on his chair while a crowd of people holds his chair up, 
You know how much balance he's that ripped. takes? Oh, yeah, he's strong as hell, man. You know how much strength that takes to balance yourself on a chair that's not on level ground? It's being held up by that's people. That's nuts, man. So Woody Belford is a, a major inspiration to anybody man, out there. I like stories like that. It's like, just don't give up. Exactly. It don't matter what you're going so through. Anybody out there, summer's coming up, you want to lose 15 pounds, you don't know if you can get uh, that degree, you uh, want to take a course on how to bake cupcakes, but you're like, ah, I can't really find the time. Find the time, man. Like, Pursue the things you want to do because it's not impossible. Exactly, it's one. not impossible. There are people out there who are in way worse positions than you, yep. who are making the best of the situation. So like I him, exactly, exactly like Woody. So I just want, I just want to say to everybody out there, like, make the best of your situation. If you, if it's the smallest thing, you just want to learn how to do a backflip. Like, go out and just practice it and learn, how, learn. Go, go do it. We already told you the, the tools are out there. You go on YouTube, a guy will tell you. The exact way to twist your body when you do a backflip, it'll break it down to you in five easy steps. You'll be doing backflips in no time. Yeah. So there's nothing that should be an obstacle for you if it's something you really want. And no. Woody Belfort really wants to be a bodybuilder. Yeah. He does amateur ones. I don't know if he does it as like, you know how they'll bring out a person where he's not like not really in the competition, but he is they're like, look at this inspirational thing. Mm-hmm. He wants to really be in a bodybuilder though. Yeah. So he and he the dude's jacked. Trap's crazy, you know, his back is shredded like lettuce. Mm. So I don't think there's anything that this dude uh, won't be able to do if he puts his mind to it. No. You know, I'm sure he's putting up numbers in the basketball league. Yeah. I mean, the moral of the story is don't give up. Hey, I got a a tip for you. Please. Do you know that uh, Colonel Sanders didn't become a millionaire until he was like 70? I didn't know that. Yep. Um, Don't give up. Hey, that's that's all I was trying to do. For sure. No, no, for sure. No, I... I didn't. I didn't know. For one, I didn't know Colonel Sanders was a real person. So <laughs> you just broke a lot of news to me. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know he was a person. So I, I thought that was like a. I, that would be like if you like. Did you know Ronald McDonald as a doctor? <laughs> I didn't know Ronald McDonald existed. So that is uh, that's news to me. But yeah, no, Colonel Sanders is apparently real, and he didn't become a millionaire until he was seventy years old. Oh, so shit. it's never too late, man. You never know when your big when your big break's gonna come. So shout out to Colonel you Sanders. Didn't, you didn't know he's real. You didn't know he, seriously? No, because if he's a real person, I, I assumed he like was a plantation. Uh, he like owned a plantation. He looks very racist. <laughs> I didn't know he was real. No, I thought he was a made up plantation oh, owner who spoke in country jive. <laughs> He speaks like uh, uh, that chicken from the cartoons. Uh, what's his name? Who, uh, Foghorn uh, Leg. Yeah. So <laughs> Sada, I, Sada. Yeah, I, I thought he was just a made-up racist <laughs> character. But now you're telling me, no, he's real, and he made it millions, when, not until later, way later in his life. Yep. So it's never too late. And with that... That was funny. <laughs> with that, I want to send this <laughs> off. I want to give a shout-out to all those unjustly unco- um, incarcerated folks. Anybody that's even just incarcerated, going through it, you know, some bullshit weed charges... You know, you're doing excessive amount of time. This one's out. This one goes out to you. This is Locked Away by Our City and Adam Levine. I heard this song while I was, uh, I got out of the house for the first time yesterday and went to a concert. And this came on and I said, this is, I remember this song. Hmm. And it's a beautiful song. It's just a fun little, you know, tropical sounding song. So I want to give a shout out to everybody that's going through the struggle. And uh, we got you. I thought she was about to play Hoodlum. No, 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 no. That won't be. No, that won't be played on this side. We're gonna take a quick break, and when we come back, we're gonna talk about some fucked up shit. So stick around. If I couldn't be strong, tell me honestly, would you still love me the same? Right about now. If I judge for life, man, would you stay by my side, or is you gonna say goodbye? Can you tell me right now? If I couldn't buy you the 
see things in life. Shawty, would it be alright? Come on, show me that you do. Now tell me, would you really ride for me? Baby, tell me, would you die for me? Would you spend your whole life with me? Would you be there to always hold me down? Tell me, would you really cry for me? Baby, don't lie to me. And we are back, friends. Your turn to go first, but really quickly, I just want to remind everybody, uh, if you haven't done so already, please be sure to um, rate, uh, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Music, tell a friend to tell a friend. Another thing that I've been doing as of late is um, in the show notes, you will see the kind of the breakdown of the episode, trying to reach that new demographic, because some people don't like podcasts where people do banter and say hilarious things and you know, vibe off. So... If you want to, you can skip all of that. Boom, I got it laid out. Boom, Fran's story starts here. Boom, my story starts here. You can skip all of that nonsense if you don't really like the job. Yeah, but listen to these good vibes and shit. Yeah, I know. You don't want to feel good about how life's going for people? Well, then, no. Let me calm down. Uh, I have been doing that as of late. Anyway, uh, (laughs) please review, subscribe, all that good stuff. Tell a friend, tell a friend. We really appreciate it. Fran, the floor is yours. So my affirmative murder this week is Jerry Brudos. Jerry Brudos. Yeah, his real name is Jerome Henry. Wow, okay. Jerry Brudos. That's my middle name. What's your middle name? Jerome. Yeah. Okay, so I did this guy because now he's white. He's a white guy. A white guy named Jerome. Yeah, I was surprised okay. too. Um, Again, I mean, we talk about this all the time. I think we mentioned it last week with the two story. You did two stories last week, right? Or was it yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yes. Two stories last week. Um, It's just you... When you sit there reading, I'm reading these stories, and then I just got to go with the Caucasians sometimes. Look, man, it's the same kind of thing where I know that there's white basketball players <laughs> in the NBA. They don't got nothing on LeBron James. Right. And I know I got a story of a, a doozy of a guy, you know, that is uh, African-American, mm-hmm. you know, serial killer. There's, they, they don't hold a candle. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I mean... We we started this whole podcast trying to get to the bottom of this you know this stereotype that white people, specifically white men, are these you know we should you know they are the most dangerous serial mm. killers and they are the most calculated and all this kind of stuff and we said no fuck that that's not true. Yeah, I mean I'd be home like oh he did what yeah oh yeah and then it's like I, some other ones I read I'd be like mm. he shot. Eight people are dropped. Yeah, most like, of the most of the stories okay. I try to dodge that are about <laughs> African American serial killers, because I want to bring, I want to prove our theory that right. like we can be as cold and calculated, and, and we've run across some, yeah, some most fruct- definitely, so definitely there we, but for every one that we found that's an African American serial killer who's like, wow, why would why does your brain work that way? Yeah. There's fifty, there's fifty white guys, man. <laughs> so I don't know, I don't know. Are we wrong? I don't think so, no. but the mission continues. Yes, it did. Okay, so this is Jerry Brudos, uh, who was an American serial killer and necrophile, right, necrophile? Yeah. Uh-huh. Who uh, committed the murders of at least four women in Oregon between 1968 and 1969. Oh, okay. Wow, a year. Yeah. So Brudos was born in Webster, South Dakota. Don't know where that's at. No. And was the youngest of two sons. His mother had wanted a girl. It was very displeased that she had another boy instead, Ooh. which is fucked up. Yeah, man. I don't like. I mean, people, keep that to yourself. Yeah, I don't like when people like uh, visually yeah. are disappointed that a child is born. I saw. Uh. 
I saw a video of a person they did one of those reveal things uh-huh. and popped the balloon and, and, and pink confetti came out mm-hmm. and the husband was upset and went and sat on the couch and the wife's trying to be like, <laughs> yeah, you get a girl, it's funny, right? And he just got on his phone and was just looking at his phone. He was over Seriously. It. He was over the video, didn't want to do the video anymore because he's having a girl. And we need to stop doing that, man. Like, there's nothing wrong with a girl. There's nothing wrong with being a girl, uh, be, a, bo- a girl being born to be disappointed that you, you just want your kid to be healthy. That's the number one That's, thing. You know, that should be what you want, you know. So to be like, it's not a boy is gross and shame on you. And I'm not saying you deserve an unhealthy child, but like. That, that's the kind of energy you put out there. It's like, yeah. you know, if there is a higher being, you know, all these people who get, have, have children born, my, my good vibe story, that guy Woody, he was born with cerebral palsy. Yeah. Like, you just want your kid to be born healthy. Why yeah. are you upset that your child is not a boy? Right. That's crazy. You know, like, the, imagine the negativity that radiates from you to that stomach, to that child that can feel unwanted. And you hope that it changes when the kid's born, but in this case, it sounds like this guy was born and his mom was like, I wanted a girl. I mean, it already started off bad, just saying that. To your face, I wanted a girl. Yeah. So she would constantly belittle him, excuse me, and treat him with disdain, as well as physically abusing him. So, I mean, this never ended um, throughout his childhood. childhood. Yeah. So as a child, Brudos and his family would move into different homes in his in the Pacific Northwest before settling in Salim, Oregon. He had a fetish for women's shoes mm. from the age of five. Now, do you think that has something to do with his mom wanting a girl? Probably, man. The, the human brain is, is complicated. Yeah. And abuse and psychological uh, you know, warfare of those kind of things are being not liked by your parents, mm-hmm. they can manifest in all kinds yeah. of ways. Or well, constantly hearing, you know, I didn't, I wanted a girl anyway. Yeah, so now you wear heels or whatever, you know, and I, it, it can definitely, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, yeah. for sure, that's how it came out of him. So after playing with spiked-heeled shoes at a local junkyard, mm-hmm. he reportedly attempted to steal those shoe, the shoes of his first-grade teacher. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean... How do you get them off her feet? I was about to say the same yeah, thing. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, did she bring slippers? Yeah, you're, you're, you're a teacher. <laughs> hey, man, it's hard being a teacher. It's been hard being a teacher for a long time. Yeah. So maybe she's just, after fifth period, it's like, I got to let my dogs yeah. breathe. Yes. Just kick them off and just walk around with stockings on, stockings on concrete yep. or whatever, you know? Swiping shoes. So Brutus had a fetish for women's underwear and claimed that he would steal underwear from the female neighbors as a child. Wow. He spent his teen years in and out of psychotherapy and psychiatric hospitals. He began to stalk local women as a teenager, knocking them down or choking them unconscious and fleeing with their shoes. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's dark. Yeah. Just for the shoes. Just for the, the shoes. These women probably waking up just confused. Like, yeah. Like, why am I barefoot? Yeah. <laughs> why am I fine? Yeah. My head is bleeding a little bit, but I don't have any shoes Somebody on. Somebody stole my shoes? Yeah. So at age 17, he abducted and beat a young woman threatening to stab her if she did not follow his sexual demands. Wow. Shortly after being arrested, he was taken to a psychiatric ward of the Oregon State Hospital for nine months. Mm. There, it was found his sexual fantasies revolved around his hatred and revenge against his mother and women in general. Yeah, for sure. That's crazy. Yeah, makes sense. Yep. He underwent a psychiatric evaluation and was diagnosed with schizophrenia. Mm-hmm. Despite being institutionalized, he graduated from high school with his class 
1957. Shortly after graduation, Brutos became an electronics technician. In 1961, he married a 17-year-old with whom he would father two children and settled in, in a in Salem, Oregon, in a Salem, Oregon suburb. He asked his neighbors, his his he asked his new bride to housework naked, <laughs> except for a pair of high heels, while he took pictures. It's like I mean, this dude's living a double life. I would, to me, double life. Yeah, I mean, cause he's. I mean, I figured he would be hiding his fetish from, or he just like maybe he bought his wife a shitload of high heels. Well, I mean, look, full disclosure, I definitely got some photos this year of cooking me dinner with some high heels on and some underwear. Yeah. Uh, that is just sexy. So you could frame it like that and not be like, "Hey, uh, I like shoes, <laughs> so uh, do a do these wear these shoes while you clean." You could do that in a if you're a human being with you know who can read people yeah. and you could you could phrase that like you know it'd be kind of cute if you just like vacuum with the high heels just the high heels on and I'll take some photos it'd be real hot I could keep them you could phrase that to your wife and it'd be like okay yeah no it's our anniversary I'll give you a little present or whatever and it not be creepy unless so, you put like yeah if it, if it's yeah put, put these put on put these on wear these <laughs> that's not I, I'm, but if it's the first thing. After y'all been married for like, or y'all been engaged for like a year, mm-hmm. and then you come out of nowhere like, yeah, put these Keep on. spicy, man. Gotta put that All spice right, on, man. man. You know, you you want to, you, you like to just, you know, have uh, relations and then go to Outback Steakhouse or whatever. You know, that's, that's you know, sometimes you got to romance and, and keep it spicy and change it up. You can't just go to Outback Steakhouse and, and, and at, at 930. Gotta it, you got to top it off with some steak. Steak mashed potatoes. I guess. Cheese. I guess you do. Get some potato fries. I guess. Well done. I, I guess you did. Potato fries, well done? Yeah. What is that even? <laughs> what did you just say? Read your story, man. I don't even know what that is. Well done potato fries? You mean French fries? <laughs> crispy <laughs> crispy French fries? I meant sweet potato fries. Okay. You never had that before? Yeah, but... Oh, that's know. what I meant. Okay. Yeah, no, I got <laughs> Potato fries? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, forgot. I lost my story. Oh, uh, yeah, so he... um. He asked his new bride to housework naked except for a pair of high heels. Okay. While he took pictures. Mm-hmm. Um, it was about, it was at about this time he began complaining of migraine headaches and blackouts. Mm. Relieving his symptoms with night prowling, <laughs> night prowling rays to steal shoes and lace undergarments. I'm sorry, that was his, that was his medicine? Yeah. Uh, uh what, how? <laughs> how does that work? I don't know. That's not medicine. Damn it is. <laughs> right, cool. Okay, cool. <laughs> no, I got he got it. It's all mental, man. It's all in his head. He just really wanted to do it so bad it was giving him headaches. Yep. Couldn't fight right. it off. Yeah. Again, that's why I think he lives a double life. At nighttime. Well, clearly he's out prowling. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Taking shoes and whatnot. And yeah, yeah, that's wild. <laughs> so he kept the, he kept the shoes, underwear, and for a time the bodies of his victims in his garage. Whoa. Yeah. Um, that he would not allow his wife to enter without first announcing her arrival on an intercom that Brutos had set up. All right, that's sketchy. Uh, hey, honey, I'm home. Okay, uh, um, uh, give me, give me two seconds. Uh, enter. I think he had like a button, like, uh, yeah. I mean, that's, that'd be nuts. That's a hell of a setup. <laughs> that's a lot. 
That's I'm a lot. I'm gonna put this out here, so you you need to hit this button when yeah, you get you need, here. You need to you need to announce yourself before you come into my works my workstation. Man, that's crazy. Very. Hit shit, glass breaking and shit. Yeah. Oh, what the fuck's what going that? On? Uh, I'm building a uh, shelf. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> building a shelf out there. Uh, so between 1968 and 1969, Brutos bludgeoned and strangled four young women in an attempt to attack two others. Wow. Linda Slauson, who was 19, a door-to-door encyclopedia salesman. Mm. I mean... Hey, man, that we didn't always have Siri. Shit. You know, some, the encyclopedia used to be Siri. That's crazy. So there was a point in time where you could get off making some money. Selling encyclopedias door to door. It's just heavy. You come through like, hello, sir. Hello, sir. This book knows everything. It's like, oh, wow. I don't know everything at all. Can I please? You know? So I get that. But for her, wrong door. Wrong door. Mm. That's why. Look, man. uh, We had somebody selling Girl Scout cookies for their kid on the Facebook group. Mm -hmm. I'd rather you do that than just send your kid out and go door to door selling cookies. It's just. It's just not the time anymore. No. Set up in front of a grocery store, and all the girls yeah. are out there selling cookies, all that kind of shit. One girl, I remember when I was a kid, and we had, you know, candy bar season mm-hmm. came around, and you get the little booklet, you could win this and that. Mm-hmm. I was going around knocking on people's door trying to sell them M&Ms and shit like that. Never would I. I mean, for me, if it was me, out here selling cookies, I knock on somebody's door, and they go, I'll buy 100 of them. Let me go get my wallet. Come in real quick. You got me. <laughs> we should be honest about it. <laughs> we should be honest about it. <laughs> that, that easy, huh? That's it. Big sale. <laughs> Landed the big fish. I'm done for the months now. I, I'm what? Gonna get, I'm going to get those bouncy shoes. I'm sending out texts. <laughs> I got hey. them. I got the big one. <laughs> yeah, you got 100 me. bars. You got me after that one. Mm. Yeah, at least you're honest about yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so he, um, a door-to-door encyclopedia saleswoman. Who knocked on Brudo's door in January 1968? Brudo's lured her to the garage while his wife and children were in the house. Wow. Okay. While they were in the house, knocked knocked her out with a wooden plank. Wow. And strangled her. He dressed her in different female undergarments and shoes he had stolen. How much time? I mean, when you hear stories like this, it always brings into question: like, did the wife really not know? Yeah, you know, like how. How oblivious are you? You know that's how that shit went with uh, uh, Gacy. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. There's no way you got 20 bodies under your house, and you know kids are disappearing in the neighborhood, and your husband is just tired or gone for a couple <laughs> hours out right. of nowhere, and then on the news like, oh, a boy disappeared, and you don't you don't put any of the clues together. It's crazy. But for a doorbell to ring, and then your husband, you're like, honey, oh what? Where, oh, sorry, I had to go to the shed. I had to go to my workspace real quick. Who was at the door? Oh, it was a pranker. Nobody was at the door. Really? <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, I'll go back to making dinner then. Yep. Come on, man. Make sure you hit that buzzer when you come back. Yeah, make sure you announce yourself. I'm still working on that shelf. Yeah. Uh. So he, yeah, he dressed her in different female undergarments and shoes he had stolen, arranged her body prov- provocative in provocative poses, and used a hacksaw to cut her, to cut our cut off to cut off her left foot. Oh, which he kept in a freezer and used to model his collection of high heel shoes. Come on, man. Man. So he was like, just put the foot in the shoe and take a picture of the of that. That is gross. That's extremely gross. 
So he you just, could just go get a mannequin foot, man. He wanted a real foot. That's wild, bro. Yep. That's one of the wildest things I've heard. He just <laughs> wanted an all-time foot to when he gets the shoes to put a foot in the shoe. Yeah. That's wild. Frozen, that's, frozen foot. That's crazy as hell. Yeah. So he disposed the body in Wil- William Mint River. That's wild. Yeah. <clears throat> and Karen Sprinker, who was 19, abducted at gun at gunpoint from a parking lot outside a department store in May 1968. That's an escalation for sure. Yeah. Brutos was dressed in women's clothing during this attack. I mean, that's pretty horrifying. This guy sounds like Buffalo Bill. <laughs> this is crazy. He's bald-headed, too. He's a bald-headed guy. This guy, if, if this escalates to, like, then he started cutting their skin off and wanted to be them. Started wearing them and shit. This sounds like Buffalo Bill. So he brought her to his garage, made her try on his collection of undergarments, and posed while he, while he, photograph, while he photographed, photographed her, raped her, and stringed her by hanging her by the neck from a pulley. Wow. In, had, uh, in his little space? In his garage. Come on, wife. Yeah. Come on. So he had sex with the body on several occasions and cut off her breast to make plastic molds. Come Afterward, on. he tied the body to a six-cylinder car engine with nylon, a nylon cord, and threw it in the Williamette, the Williamette River. Come on, man. That's wild. Yeah. Um, Jan Suzanne Whitney, who was 23, a motorist whose car broke down on the Interstate 5 mm. between Salim and Albany, Oregon, on November 26, 1968, Brutos offered to drive her to his home with the excuse of letting her call a tow truck there. I mean, there's no phone, cell phone, so. Ultimate fear for women, probably. Yep. All to, you just break down, nobody around, your phone. In this in this day and age, it's like you don't have service or it's nope. dead, and now you have to just ask a, a person who you don't know. And it's just that one wrong person or that one creep that'd be like, oh, it's my target. Yeah. And anything beyond, yeah, I'll call, here's my phone, we'll call a tow truck. Anything beyond that in 2019, don't take it. I don't care. I know you should trust people and give people the benefit of the doubt. Fuck that. Yeah. If they're not like, oh, I have a cell phone here, what I'll do is I'll call the tow truck company and I'll wait here until they come for you because I don't want you to be in danger. Anything Mm -hmm. that's like, yeah, come to my house and you can use my phone at my house. No. Take me to McDonald's. I, I'll take you to McDonald's work. and and then that's still risky because you're getting in the car with yep. them. Yeah, wow. Uh huh. Yeah, wow. It's tough to be a woman. I mean, you. Uh, how do you choose who to trust or not? You don't know any of these people. That's true. Yeah, that's rough. Um, that's a good point. So while still in the car, he strangled her with a leather strap and raped her post mortem. He kept the body hanging from the pulley in his garage for several days, during which he dressed photographed and had sex with it and the wife just never nope. in a few Don't days never nothing. went out to let them know dinner's ready or anything nope wow this time Brutos cut off one of her breasts and made a a resin mold of that he used as a paperweight so he's just got paperweight breasts on his desk yeah um, come after- on man <laughs> this this wife is trash she doesn't know what a titty looks like he just got a titty on his desk. <laughs> and she's not going to say anything or doesn't notice that? Come on, man. That's wild. I mean, it shows a picture of one, too. Not a, not the titty, but of a, a wrestling mold. Oh, okay. That's crazy. That, that, um, that's wild. So afterward, he tied the body to to a piece of railroad iron and threw it into Williamette along with Slauson's foot 
who had Rodden. <clears throat> I mean, he loves that river. Let's be yeah, close. Yeah, yeah, shit. So Sharon Wood, 24, attempted to abduct, um, to a, attempted to abduct at gunpoint from basement floor of a parking garage in Portland on April 21st, 1969. And then Glory, Gloria Jen Smith, who was 15, attempted to abduct on April 22nd, 1969. I guess those are the two that got away. Yeah. <clears throat> Linda, yeah, Linda Sale, who was 22, abducted from a shopping mall parking garage. I mean, Broad parking garage is scary, scary now still. A parking garage? Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Especially on like, the at, bottom floor. Yeah. Then at late night, it's all quiet. Yeah. It's a really awful movie called P2. I mean, awful. Like, it's just bad. About a woman who got, like, trapped in a parking garage. Is that the one where he, she was in the, in the chair? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I that movie. That. Yeah, that movie. Yeah, it that. sucked, but, like... Yeah, it was a terrible. Parking movie. garage. It was crazy. Yeah, it was a parking garage. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I brought it up. Yeah. That was the reason I had to bring it up. So, go ahead. Sorry. Continue. <laughs> so, uh, Shopping Mall Parking Garage, lot on April 23rd, 1969. So, Brutos, again, take a guess. Brought her uh, back to the threw her in the river. No, nah, before all that. Oh, brought her back to his garage. Yeah, her back and, to the garage you know, for however Wait. long he wanted yep, to, because his wife ra- doesn't yep. care. Well, he raped and strangled her, and played with her corpse. He just, I mean, he has a lot of time. He's in his garage all damn day. Isn't he a husband and a father yeah. too? That's what I like. Come on, he spends man. a lot of time in his garage. We're not talking about he has a workspace a couple miles from his house. It's like his back. It's like the garage. Yes, and he just. I mean, I know nobody. It's like a, it's like a door that separates. Yeah, the, the main kids house don't want to the... come and say. You know what I mean? That's wild, man. That's maybe, crazy. Maybe he has like the padded. What's that shit called inside? Soundproof, soundproof, soundproof all that kind of hookup. That's crazy. Uh, so he decided to cut her breasts off because they were too pink. What? Yeah. Yep. So what does said, that even mean? Too pink. And instead, drove an electrical current through the body in an attempt to make it jump. So oh, this is what you meant by playing with the body. This dude is sick. This dude is super sick. Which failed, so it Doing didn't work. Frankenstein experiments yeah. on people in his yeah. garage? Yeah, so it didn't work. Afterward, he tied the body to a car transmission with a nylon cord and threw it into William. Does he just have a, 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 <laughs> a bunch of just cars in his backyard? Car pieces. That's crazy. <laughs> Transmissions and whatnot? That's correct. <laughs> I didn't like, even know a transmission was heavy or like it, that's wild. Tied of somebody to a transmission. I want to know how big his garage is. Right? Because he have he has to have his car inside of the garage for him to do all this. Yeah. And be like, honey, you know, I don't know. I'll be back. Oh, this guy's this guy's not communicating with his wife. No, he probably just worse. Yeah, he just does what he wants to do. And then if she asks him a question, he punches her. Because this is the time this was. I'm Comes sure. home, two yeah. fingers of whiskey and a glass, <laughs> and it's like, so uh, what are you working on? How about you don't ask me fucking questions about what's going on in my garage in the house that I pay the bills in? And yeah. she's like, okay, well, I'll just go in here and say nothing. Because that's the time it was, man. America's never been fair to women. Yeah, it's true. So Brutos would dress up in high heels and masturbate after committing a murder. In May 1969, a fisherman found the bodies of... Sail, a bunch of people. Sail and Sprinker in the Long the Long Tom River. The police asked students at the nearby university campus about suspicious men and what le- and one led them to Brutos, who had phoned her several times to ask her for a date. So he was a creep, obviously. Brutos gave police a false address, which increased their suspicious suspicions. At his garage, the police found copper wire that was determined to have been cut with the same tool that cut the cords 
used to tie the bodies. Wow. So Brutus was arrested, and he made a full confession. On June 28, 1969, Brutus pled guilty to three first-degree murders, Sprinker, Whitney, and Sale, and was sentenced to three consecutive terms of life imprisonment in Oregon State Penitentiary. Mm. Though he confessed to Slauson's murder, Brutus was neither tried nor conv- convicted for it because he didn't make and keep photographs of, her, of the body. Wow. Unlike the other cases, but only of her foot. Were they in the same river? Was the titty off? Then he did it, man. Because yeah. they couldn't find pictures? That's wild. So Whitney's body was found a month after Brutus' conviction, about a mile downstream from where she had been, where she had been thrown. While incarcerated, Brutus had piles of women's shoe catalogs in his cell. Ew. Yeah, he wrote to ma- he wrote to major companies asking for them. Like, can y'all give me some free shoes? He thought he was gonna get sponsored, like he was yeah. Tony Hawk or something. That's wild. The audacity. That's crazy. Are you sending these? These letters. That's for some free shoes. That's for some free women's shoes. That's crazy. And claimed they were his substitute for por- pornographic. For no pornography. Porn. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he logged countless appeals, including one in which he alleged that a photograph taken of him with one of his victims' corpse could not prove his guilt because what? it was not the body of a person. It was. It was not the body of a person he was convicted of killing. What? Yeah. In 1995, the parole board told Brutus that he would never be released. (laughs) You might as well cut this out, man. (laughs) It's not going to happen, Chief. Uh, Yep, so Brutus died in prison on March 28, 2006 from liver cancer. Damn, wait, 69, 79, 89, He lived like another 30-plus years in prison. At the time of his death, Brutus was the longest incarcerated inmate in Oregon Department of Corrections. A total of 37 years from 69 to 06. Damn. Yep. And they say also he was portrayed by actor Happy Anderson in the Netflix original series Mindhunter, season one, episode seven and eight. Oh, I never finished that. Um, Edmund act- Kemp was good, though. Uh, what else? What's this? A- uh, actor Ted Ted Levine? Don't know who that is. Oh, yet. okay. Uh, based part of his performance in The Silence of the Lambs on Jerry Brutus. Buffalo Bill? Yep. Wow, okay, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Wow, okay, um, yeah. An, an American stream metal metal band, Maccabee, no, um, has a song about Jerry Brutus and their 2003 album, Ugh. Murder Metal. Ew. That's just probably crazy. I didn't listen to it. So I don't, don't want to listen to that. It. Metal music about serial killers? No, yeah. I'm good. That's probably devil music. So, <laughs> so that was Jerry Brutus. Oh, I like that one. Yep. That was crazy. I thought it sounded like Buffalo Bill, mm-hmm. so that's... Yeah, wow. The inspiration of Buffalo Bill and is portrayed on Mindhunter. I got to finish that show. It was good. I only watched like five episodes. Okay, wow. Okay, Jerry uh, Jerome Brudos. Yep, Jerome Henry Br- Jerry Brudos. Wow, okay. Well, that was a doozy. All right, let's keep it rolling, man. Jesus, that was paperweight breasts. That's crazy. <laughs> cut breasts off and just have them laying around your house? Yeah. That's crazy. All right, what we're going to do is going to take a quick break. And when we come back, it's my turn to tell you some fucked up shit, so stick around. All right, and we are back. Fran, are you ready for my affirmative murder of the week? Yes, sir. Okay, so just a little backstory. Me and Sierra really love to watch documentaries. Mm-hmm. Over the weekend, we watched two really good HBO documentaries. The first one was called How to Dance in Ohio. It was a documentary about um, 
this uh, autistic program that helps people with autism socialize and teaches them skills to do better with uh, social situations. And the it's called How to Dance in Ohio because at the end, all the kids that you meet and see, not even kids, adults, people of all ages with autism, uh, all these people that you meet, it's autism and uh, Asperger's. And they're all over the spectrum. Um, at the end of the whole thing, you meet all these people and f- see these relationships and get, you know, you know, you get attached to people when you're watching something and they have a dance at the end mm-hmm. and it's like an all, it's like an all autistic people dance. You have to ask other people to, as dates and they learn the, you know, little coping skills and things like that. Really beautiful documentary. Highly recommend it. Amazing. Incredible. Loved it. Almost cried, but I kept myself together cause I'm a man, <laughs> I'm a man in America. And then the second one we watched was called a dangerous son. And this documentary was about kids who have uh, emotional disturbance, like disorders, Mm -hmm. and um, like disassociate from reality and slight uh, schizophrenia. And um, the the guy that shot up the Sandy Hook Elementary School had um, he was emotionally disturbed. Mm. And it was the the documentary was basically about how there are all these kids who they might be on the autism spectrum the same as the kids in the other documentary that I watched, but some of them. Uh, have you know also emotionally disturbed or, or might be combined with schizophrenia and we look at these people when we're walking on a day-to-day basis and we just go that's a bad kid mm-hmm. that's the parents fault why is there why are they letting him fall on the ground at Walmart and kick his feet around and we just judge the parents mm-hmm. but a lot of times we don't we won't, won't even realize that these parents are dealing with a child who has something wrong with them yeah and if a kid had cancer we would all rally around them but this kid who has something that you can't see and you can like uh, automatically make up your own assumption about it we condemn the parents and say it's their fault mm-hmm. just like if one of these kids who we see acting up in a in a, a subway you know calling his mom a bitch or whatever and saying he's going to fight him if they grow up and shoot up a school the first thing we're going to do is condemn the parents yeah but we don't look at the root of like well, but what if something was wrong with this kid what if this kid's sick mm-hmm. So it brought us some good points. We met some kids. There was some kids on that show who were, like, a lot. Like, hit their mom, pull their mom's hair, all these kind of – like, it's a lot to deal with. And, you know, what parent wants to admit that they failed and send their kid away? Yeah. But they did. They had to. Some of them had to send their kids to, like, a place that's equipped with psychologists to help them try to be become better or learn coping mechanisms or learn how to breathe or whatever – for six months or whatever, and then they come back and they still the same. But within this documentary, I learned about a black mass shooter who hmm. I didn't know there were many of, and and um, I don't know if I've ever done one before, but I found out about one, and this is that story. This is my affirmative murder. So my affirmative murder this week is the story of Aaron Alexis. Hmm. <clears throat> so Aaron Alexis was born in the New York City borough of Queens, and Alexis grew up in Brooklyn and was also a resident of Fort Worth, Texas in his life. He joined the United States Navy in 2007 and served in Fleet Logistics Support Squadron 46 at Naval Air Station Joint Reserve Base, Fort Worth. His rating was that of aviation electrician's mate and he had attained the rank of petty officer third class when he was honor when he was honorably discharged from the Navy on January 31st, 2011. Although the Navy originally intended for him to receive a general discharge. And from the research I did, anything other than an an honorable discharge is like bad. Hmm. If you get any, so there's honorable, honorable discharge, general discharge. You can get general discharge with like honorable mentions 
and you can just dishonorable discharge. What's honorable discharge mean? Like you got hurt? Honor, yeah, honorable discharge. You got hurt, you know, something of that effect. You still receive, you know, your army benefits. Okay. But you just aren't contractually obligated to be in your branch of the military anymore. But I would assume general discharge is like you failed. It's not assume. It's what I read. You failed to meet the requirements of whatever they needed you to do. So you couldn't do your job. You couldn't. You're not able to do this. So. Bye. That's we'll get somebody up. else to do it, you know, because you're 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 not good at this. It's Damn. like being fired. Yeah. Being 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 generally discharged is like you're fired. No, what's dishonorably? We dishonorably discharged. You got in a fight. You sh- you shot somebody. You went AWOL. You committed a crime. You know, and while being in this military branch or whatever, anything like anything illegal or way against the rules you'll be dishonorably discharged. And that's like, they expunge you. You don't get any benefits of being in the military. You, you no, nothing, nothing good. Nothing is good about being dishonorably discharged. Mm-hmm. So they wanted to generally discharge him. That's what they wanted, but they ended up just, just, uh, honorably discharging him. It's fucked up. Yeah. So, um, according to a Navy officer, I'm sorry, according to a Navy official, Alexis was cited on at least eight occasions for misconduct. In 2010, he was arrested in Fort Worth for discharging a weapon within city limits. Alexis was also arrested in Seattle, Washington in 2004 for malicious mischief after shooting out the tires of another man's vehicle in what he later described as the assault of an anger-fueled blackout. Oh, I'm sorry, as the result of an anger-fueled blackout. So he got really, really drunk and shot a gun at somebody. Or he shot at their tires. Tires. Still, that's, what are you, James Bond? That's crazy (laughs) as hell. Uh, You're not going anywhere. Yeah, (laughs) shoot all your tires. Uh, and in 2008, in DeKalb County, Georgia, for disorderly conduct. So he was just getting arrested all around the country. Authorities did not prosecute Alexis for the Seattle and Fort Worth cases. From September 2012 to January 2013, Alexis worked in Japan, uh, refreshing computer systems on the, Na- on the Navy Marine Corps intranet network. That's a, I don't know the difference between intranet and internet, but I, I'm sure it's like a... That's like a um, IT. An IT person is like, ah, the intranet. I know that. I don't. That's I don't know the difference. I'm not into the hardware of computers like that. But he <laughs> he worked on the intranet. I'm yeah. sure that's some kind of IT they thing. Hear like- <laughs> yeah, yeah, the intranet. <laughs> you don't. You don't. Know. Oh, they don't know what intranet is. Somebody's like snickering at us right now. Yeah. Like, what do you? I mean, it's the intranet. You don't know. So <laughs> no, anyway, yeah. So they worked on they worked on uh, the intranet network for uh, an HP enterprise. You let Packard, of course. Uh, which is, they're fucking that. They were like the who's who of computers, fifteen years ago. Who? Now, Hewlett Packard. Oh, okay. You know, uh, you know, Apple. Mm-hmm. Apple took over the world. Uh, so uh, HP. They yeah. He worked for HP Enterprise Services. He was a subcontract. He was he worked for a subcontracting company. So mm-hmm. he, I think he basically was like an IT person who worked who was contracted by Hewlett Packard. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the company was called the Experts, which is very um very cocky it's like yeah. the mac geniuses or uh what's the best geek guy squad b- yeah geek squad well no that's, that's not very cocky that's i actually like that name yeah the experts is crazy uh so they were he worked for some people called the experts after returning from japan he expressed frustration to a former roommate that he hadn't been properly paid for the work he had performed another roommate of alexis said that he would frequently complain about being the victim of discrimination mm. so you know it's that uh it um, it's going it's going IT like how you go postal it's like yeah. going IT I mean his shit is boiling right now exactly yeah so not only was he not getting his money they were racist so it's like you know the teapot yeah. 
Uh, in July 2013, he resumed working for the experts in the United States. At the time of his death, Alexis was working online on a bachelor's degree in aeronautics from Embry-Riddle Aeronautic University. It's a very specific school. Like They focus specifically on what he wanted. <laughs> it's an aeronautical university. Uh, he had tried. I'd never, you know what I mean? Like, you don't go to, like, psychology university. university you know, yeah. so that's, I don't know how good that school is. But shout out to Embry-Riddle <laughs> Aeronautical University. Um, he had tried Buddhist meditation for some time to control his mental illness. Alexis had been suffering from some from some serious mental issues, including paranoia and sleep disorder, mm. as well as hearing voices. Mm-mm. Since August 2013, uh, he had been treated by the Veterans Administrations for mental problems. So there's a record of all of this stuff, and nobody, you know, I'm not even. I mean, we've done it. plenty of stories. Yeah, like, that. like the men- mental health is not taken very serious by this country, and has been the result of a lot of deaths that didn't need to happen. Uh, <clears throat> members of his family also told investigators that Alexis was being treated for mental issues. In August, in August of 2013, he had been prescribed trazodone, a generic antidepressant that is widely prescribed for insomnia. Aaron Alexis arrived in Washington D.C. in the Washington D.C. area on or around August 25th, 2013, and stayed at various hotels. He had been staying at a residence and hotel in Southwest Washington since September 7th. He was working for a subcontractor on a Hewlett-Packard Enterprise Services contract and staying with five other civilian contractors. On Saturday, September 14th, Alexis visited the Sharpshooters Small Arm Range in Lorton, Virginia, only 15 miles south of Washington. He tested out an AR-15 semi-automatic rifle but did not seek to buy it. Uh, A lawyer for the store said this. Mm. After purchasing ammunition and test-firing the AR-15, Alexis inquired about buying a handgun at the range. According to an attorney for the store, uh, however, since federal law does not allow dealers to sell directly to out-of-state residents and the gun would have been shipped to a licensed dealer in in his home state, Alexis then selected a Remington 870 Express 12-gauge shotgun since rifles and shotguns may be directly sold to out-of-state residents Mm. and uh, and bought it along with two boxes of shells containing around 24 rounds of ammunition after passing a state and federal background check. Do you think, like, gun shop owners, you think they'd be like, I mean, I have to, I mean, this is my business, and I have to sell you this product, but you think they have any type of negative, you know, ideas about, no? No, I think, you know, a corner store person would sell a candy bar to a fat person. Business is business. Yeah, that's fair. You know what I mean? Even if, even though a gun is can mow down, it's super dangerous. Like, a person who owns a gun shop really loves guns. So they're, they're one of those people who's like, I'm not impeding on people's rights. We have a First Amendment right in this country to own a weapon. Or Second Amendment right, I'm sorry. And a Second Amendment right in this country to own a weapon. And I love guns. So, yeah, you want a gun? Buy a gun. What I don't like is, from what I just read... And, you know, uh, I've known you know, about there's all kind of loopholes in all these laws in, in the country about. So when people when you say like, hey, man, like, can't we try to figure out a way to, you know, change the gun laws or this kind of stuff? There are gun laws. You have to get a background check. You have to do this. You have to do that. You have to do this, that and the third. This person has mental issues. Mm-hmm. He is prescribed a drug for sleep. Di- sleep yeah, all kind yeah. of, you know, mental health problems, sleep disorders, all these kind of things. He was discharged from the uh, the 
the from services, not dishonorably, but he was discharged for not being able to do his job. And he also has a criminal record with all kind of things where he's shooting guns at people. So what is the background check for? The background and check goes well then. None of that popped up? If that's not red flags, then what is the background check looking for? Did they if, do a background check? Well, yeah, he passed the background check. But, like, what is the background check if it's not like, oh, you shot, a, you shot a gun at somebody? Oh, well, then you can't buy a gun anymore. You know what I mean? Like, what are the, what are the things that disqualify you from owning a gun? Because if you get such amount of DUIs or you, you know, get a certain amount of points on your license, you, you can't drive, drive a car, car anymore. Simple. So I don't understand. I don't understand what it is about gun laws where people pull up things like this they just say these blanket statements like there are background checks or you can't buy this kind of gun now this gun store that this person went to you're not allowed to buy a, a gun out of state like you can't be Certain from baltimore guns. and go to oregon and buy a gun unless it's a shotgun or a rifle and then you can just go buy a gun right there you know that's crazy so you know what i mean <laughs> so they'll they'll bring that up like you can't just buy a gun if you're not from the state well you can if it's this kind of gun Oh, well, you know, exactly. You know what I'm saying? But I'm saying the people that that are fighting, trying to because you can blame everything and people I'm going to get to like we'll get we'll see what we see where the story's going. I'm going to get to it and we'll see what some people were saying afterwards. But some people whenever things like this happen and this is from 2013. Keep in mind. Yeah, it's been six years. Countless amounts of, sh- of sh- school shootings, mass shootings, all kind of shootings. We have the same conversation, happens for two or three days, thoughts and prayers, and then we just move on. Yep. And the same thing happened in 2013, and, every- and the same thing happened with Sandy Hook, and all these kind of things, and then there's ne- never anything done, and it's always blamed on everything, but the, well, the person was sick, this happened, he was, you know, uh, it was an a isolated incident, uh, he had a gun, his- he already had a gun, what are we going to do, take guns from people that already have guns? Every kind of, like you know, deflective argument happens. And then we just go, ah, well, this fight isn't going anywhere. So we'll just move on. Instead of looking at like, well, why don't we try to make a background check stricter or try to get rid of, uh, you can't just own a military style gun. You can't own a gun that shoots a hundred bullets in in a minute. Still loophole though. Yeah. You still got off market guns. Exactly. And you can go to a, um, a gun, like a gun, uh, like a gun show, and just buy a gun. You can a private seller can sell to whoever he wants to. That's crazy. So it's just all kind, of, it's all kind of stuff like that. But anyway, this is not. We're not the hippy dippy podcast trying to, you know, take anybody's hippie guns. Dippy, that's, that's the podcast, huh? Hippy dippy. Yeah, it's a really good podcast. Oh, oh yeah, hippy dippy podcast. Um, uh, but we're not that podcast. No, nah, I don't know. If it, there's not a hippy dippy podcast. But we're not some hip. We're not some hippies trying to take your guns away or anything like that. We're just two people who notice that every month. You know, we hear about 15 people getting shot at a school or at a sporting event or whatever, and it's you know nothing's being done. That's all yeah, this is. I'm supposed to say that's a stupid name. Yeah, it, it's yeah, yeah. No, don't make the hippy dippy podcast. <laughs> I don't even know what you would talk about. Dips, I don't even know. Uh, so yeah, sometime before 8:20 a.m. on September 16th, Alexis arrived at a Navy yard in a rental car, using a valid pass to enter the yard. He entered the building. He entered building 197 carrying a disassembled shotgun. Okay, the, sorry. Oh, go ahead. A military... Uh, a Navy base. Navy base. A Navy base. And, and he was in the Navy. And he, he was discharged. Discharged from the Navy. So, you see... It's, so, they supposed to change codes? Disgruntled, man. Disgruntled. They don't change codes? Well, or? he wasn't... He was discharged from the Navy, but he also was, after that, became like an IT guy for the Navy. Oh. So, he, oh, so he had credentials. Yeah, he was a contract, so he had credentials from that. Okay. Uh, So, he walked into building 197 carrying hmm. a disassembled shotgun, the barrel and stock of which had been sawed off. It was in a bag on his shoulder. There's at this time, I'm sure they've you know definitely heightened um, 
protocols all at all bases since this incident but there was when you're in certain parts of the base there are no metal detectors or people patting you down you just i'm an it guy and i have a pass like you it's one of those kind of things where it's like you shouldn't be able to get into this building without a pass and we do whatever kind of background checks to give out the passes so if you have a a pass then you're good yeah and you know that was over obviously you passed you passed whatever we yeah. whatever we did to get you the pass. So, you're good. so if you can scan the door and get in, you're supposed to be in here. So yeah. we don't need to have metal detectors. There shouldn't be anybody here that's not supposed to be here. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't take into account of the people that are supposed to be there snapping or whatever, you know. So that I'm sure that's changed since mm-hmm. this incident. But on this day, he walked in with a shotgun in a bag, no metal detector, no pat down or anything like that. He assembled the shotgun inside a bathroom on the fourth floor, and then he emerged with the gun and began shooting. Many of the people shot on the fourth floor were shot at close range in the head with a shotgun. Damn. As D.C. police responded within several minutes on the, on, of the first shootings, Alexis opened fire on them, hitting an officer named Scott Williams in the leg. He engaged several law enforcement personnel in a gunfight that lasted for more than 30 minutes. I mean, when I think of shotguns, I think of the ones that bend, and you got to put two in there, and then clack it back together. And oh, no. That's, that's what, what is this, Red Dead Redemption? Yeah. No, he probably had, like, a pump-action shotgun. Yeah, I know, but that's when I think of shotguns, that's what I think. <laughs> yeah, no, you thought he had, like, a, a gun you shoot, like, horses with? Yeah, like, man. hold on! Flip it down, and just shoots two? Yeah, no. Wow. Dope gun in Red Dead Redemption, though. Great game. Uh, So, yeah, he was in a 30-minute shootout, and at around 9.20 a.m., Alexis was fatally shot in the head by police on the third floor. Mm. His death was later confirmed at 11.50 a.m. Many roadways and bridges were temporarily closed, and flights out of Ronald Reagan Washington in, uh, Washington National Airport were temporarily suspended. Eight schools were locked down, and shortly after 3 p.m., United States Senate buildings went on lockdown as well for about an hour out of, you know, an abundance of caution. You know, they all were, you know, oh, no, we got to, we're not leaving. You know, so they, everybody, all of D.C. locked down. Mm-hmm. Got to protect the president, got to protect everybody. Nobody can leave because you never know. You know, you watch, you know, uh, um, Olympus has fallen. Mm-hmm. Might be like they paid a guy to do that as a distraction. Yep. And then you go here and it's another plan. So you always got to be like, fuck, nobody's moving. <laughs> uh, the Navy Yard reopened and re- uh, resumed usual operations on Thursday, September 19th, about three days later. But Building 197 will remain closed indefinitely. Um, and here we, we already touched on this a little bit, but I, I added this in just, again, we're not trying to get political, but this is what happened at the time. So, uh, the shooting sparked a discussion on the adequacy of security at U.S. military facilities. On September 18th, Defense Secretary Chuck Hagel ordered a review of, uh, security procedures at military facilities around the world. So they put all that shit on lock, you know? Um, Foreign Policy Magazine reported that virtually anyone with a common access card, or CAC as it's commonly referred to, uh, provided to government contractors, civilian uh, Defense Department employees, and soldiers can enter many military facilities without being patted down or made to go through a metal detector. So is, this is what he benefited from when how uh, Aaron Alexis got well, check his car, right? They, they, I'm sure they do that now. They, they... Oh, I'm sure they made a lot of adjustments yeah. since then. But... Um, on this day, or at this time, it's the same thing with airports. Like in two thousand, in in on September tenth, two thousand, going to the airport, my mom could walk me to my gate. Oh, I didn't have to take my shoes off. You just walk through a maybe you walk through a metal detector. You know, the same as like going to a concert. Maybe you get wanded, and then somebody can accompany you right to your. They could walk you right to your plane. Not after September eleventh. 
I mean, that's what I, I mean. I've said this before. It sucks that it takes people to die. You know, for you to be like, all right, we gotta. It's wake up call sometimes. We gotta man. change it up. Here. I don't think that anybody on September tenth. Any, I mean, I would hope maybe people that worked in the White House were thinking of scenarios like that. But nobody, the average American, wasn't like, man, what if somebody took this plane I was in and just stole it and then drove it into a, a building? Like September it was 10th, so. I'm sure somebody has thought about that. But somebody, well, I don't think so. Yeah, I'm Just sure. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure there were got like people that work for the Department of Defense were coming. You got all kind of scenarios they got to yeah. work up with. I'm just saying, the average person that's not even that wasn't even a like fathomable that a person would do that before that yeah. happened. It was the that's most un- unbelievable thing. Everybody thought it was an accident when it first happened. It, yeah. Nobody was like, "This is an attack." It was crazy. So, and on a smaller scale, what Aaron Alexis did. Uh, for security bases all around the country and all around the world, it was like, oh, well, we're giving out these badges to people and just trusting that they're fine. That's over now. Now, this guy just, was him being dishonorably discharged part of it? Or him, I'm sure it was a combination. That, him He's mentally mental ill. Yeah, I'm sure it was a combination. He probably yeah. always had somewhat of a grudge against the Navy. He's hearing voices. He can't sleep. Oh, yeah, he He's on medication. Right. All these kind of things. All It's all a factor. It's all Damn, of it. That's, mm. That's scary, man. Yeah, very much so. And you can you you could be talking to a person and never know that like they might hear voices or whatever they're going through. So people people can present themselves as normal. You know, some people can just really, you know, be like, you know, I'm oh, I'm just a normal person. And in the back of their head it's like, yeah, no, kill him. Mm, that's why I'm talking to people. Go on, that's the easiest that's the easiest way to do things, you know. Sierra when we first uh she really likes this area of Baltimore called Hamden and it's really close quarters like mm-hmm. when you walk out it's like, you know, city living. Like if mm-hmm. you live in if you live in Philly or, you know, Boston or um any of those kind of cities, those row houses and all the houses in Hamden that are cool, it's like you walk out on your porch, but your porch is connected to the person on your left porch and right, right you can just hop the the little bar and you're on the next person's door. porch. Right. I don't want to live in a house like that. Not because I'm da- any dangerous or anything like that, but if I come out, I want to get on, sit on my porch, and it's a person on their porch, they don't want to talk to you. I'm going back in the house. Yeah, I don't want to talk to I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to talk to anybody. <laughs> Me I don't either. want to talk to anybody ever. Never. I don't want to have small talk. I don't want to talk about the game. Yeah. I don't want to talk about the weather. I don't want to talk to anybody. I see people from where I used to go to school and I put my head down. I'm yeah, like, I don't want to talk to them. Oh, they want you to talk to me. I hate talking hey, to Hey, friend. Oh, What's up, man? Yeah, like ask them about how their family is. Like you care. I don't, <laughs> don't care. care. I don't care. I never have cared. I will never care. Don't talk to me. <laughs> I don't want to talk to any of you. So uh, Aaron Alexis had a had a secret level security clearance and a, a CAC, mm-hmm. allowing him to enter the Navy Yard. Um, here's a couple of winners: Alex Jones, Ted Nugent, and a guy named Tim named Jim Treacher, who I don't know who that is. And others commented that gun free zones on military bases were to blame for this whole thing. What? Even though at that military base there was armed security, who he shot and killed. So their basic argument is the same argument that it is about mass shootings, shootings at school, whatever. If everybody had a gun, then they would have shot this guy, and it wouldn't have never happened. This man walked in with a shotgun. Nobody was expecting anybody. That's the to... whole, but that's the that's the whole point. Yeah, it's like even if you have a gun, he had a bigger gun, and he had the element of surprise. Yeah. Yep. So. Just saying, every if everybody had guns, that would solve. That's not that's not true. Plus, there were security there. There were people that are there trained to do their job, and he killed them. They had guns. Caught them slacking. You could catch somebody slacking anytime, or you yep. could just have a bigger gun than the person. You got a pistol, and I have the the guy that shot up that uh, country um, festival in, in Las Vegas. He had a gun that shoots like a hundred rounds 
a second, man. And, and obviously, I'm not stupid. I, I know it's not 100 rounds right. a second. But he had, he had a gun that sh- shot a lot of bullets. Mm-hmm. So if somebody in that hotel had a gun, great. Go open the door and see what happens. Yeah, especially if you get that first shot off. You're dead, you man. It just doesn't matter. So, and I don't, I don't want a gun. I don't want to walk around public with a gun. I don't, I don't like guns. I don't want to have a gun on my hip. I understand that there's dangers in the world, but I don't think I'm the guy that, even if you know, I practiced a whole bunch. I don't think I'm the guy that if the shit jumped off, I'm gonna pull my gun out and go face, have a shootout with a person. Mm-hmm. I'm just. That's having a that's having a lot of faith in people. Alex Jones, who's a piece of shit, and Ted Nugent, who is a hillbilly, yeah. to be like, well, if I had my gun and I heard gunshots, I'm gonna go neutralize the situation. You fuck around, hear a gunshot, you get scared, you think you got a shot, you shoot, you hit somebody else. Yeah. Now you're I part d- of the problem too. So people walking around with a gun, especially men walking around with a gun, I it think does something it changed your whole man. mindset. Does something? Yeah, to you, it man. just any kind of thing. Then you th- get ticked off way easier. You hear something you like, or you just got a little more swagger in your yeah. step. Your shoulders didn't look. What? Say something. Yeah. What'd you say? What? Shut up. Okay. Oh, man, I gotta... Yeah. Or what? Lift your shirt up. What? Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't think so. That's what guns do to people, yeah. man. Yeah. You. It makes you kind of <laughs> look for conflict a yeah. little bit. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm. I know there are plenty of responsible gun owners out there. But if we're gonna sit here and and, and, and we, we're not having a conversation, you're listening to me. You can be mad at me and talking, you know, whatever. But, um. If you're gonna, if if you want me to acknowledge that there are sensible gun owners out there, we need to also acknowledge that there are plenty of idiots in this country yeah. who also have guns. That's just the reality of the world. There are idiots who drive cars, and there are smart people who drive cars. It's still a two-ton vehicle, so in the hands of the wrong person, it's dangerous. Yep. That's all I'm saying. I would love to live in a world. My, I don't know if this solution has been proposed, but I feel like a gun, a gun ownership, legal gun ownership, should be the same way that owning a car is. You should have to renew your license, and when you go to renew your gun license, you need to prove that you know how to operate a firearm. Mm-hmm. You need to register, and if you commit laws, maybe we don't come take your guns, but you can't buy guns anymore. Even if that means you already have 50 guns, you don't get to indulge in the privilege of buying guns anymore because you shot a person or because you committed a you d- domestic violence or whatever the case may be. We need to reevaluate your gun license now. And now, if you commit any of those kind of things, your gun license is suspended. And now, if we see you with a gun, you're committing a crime yeah. because you're not allowed to own guns anymore. I think that's. I think that makes. If that doesn't make sense to anybody, I think that's crazy. You think that I don't think felons should be able to own guns. Now I know that they do because it's illegal. But going to a store and buying an AR-15 and shooting people should not be able to be this easy. This guy, he didn't buy the AR-15 because he was like, oh, you you can't buy that gun, but I can buy a shotgun, so I'll buy that gun. And he committed a crime. Yeah. I never even shot a gun before. I've shot a gun a couple times. I, I get know. it. I get it. I get what it is. I get what it does. It's, oh, my God. It's like The adrenaline? Yeah, that fire. Oh, my God. I destroyed it. I get it. But I don't want to just have a gun at the 7-Eleven. Uh, they terrify me. I don't even know. It's a lot, man. Anyway, so continuing on our political rant, we're going to keep it going. Um, so on September 17th, uh, gun control activists and relatives of victims of shootings that occurred at Sandy Hook Elementary School, Aurora, Colorado, that um, the guy that shot up the um, the Dark Knight premiere, mm. and uh, the Oak Creek, Wisconsin Sikh Temple shooting, which I don't even I'm not even familiar with that one. They all went to Washington to protest for stricter gun control. The activists said they hoped that due to a Navy Yard's proximity to Capitol Hill, that it would motivate lawmakers to act. 
to impose strict, stricter background checks and prevent loopholes that enable people to purchase guns at gun shows without any background checks. And spoiler alert, this was in 2013. We're sitting in 2019, and that didn't happen. So Probably won't. So. And it probably never will. Yes, absolutely. Uh, at the time, President Obama called on Americans to abandon their creeping resignation to mass shootings, which has happened. I'm sorry, Obama. Your your fear came true. We are desensitized to it. We are just like, oh, what are you going to do? You know, That's the world we live in now. Tomorrow, if one happened... We hashtag whatever it is and say your prayers, and then tomorrow it, we just move on. It's not a it's not a state of, it's it's not a national emergency in this country like that fucking stupid wall is to Donald Trump. People being shot isn't like, oh my god, what? Twelve kids got shot at a high school? We're not even like that anymore, man. That's the part that makes me the sickest is that like I'm I'm just like, I'll keep scrolling. Yeah. You know, you're, you're like, oh, man, it. yeah, Detroit, Detroit kid shot yeah. another one, 12 schools. Oh, that's cra- they, uh, they, all they get from me now is like, damn, that's crazy. Yep. And then I just move on because it's just that's just how it is now. So we're just we're desensitized. But in 2013, this was Obama's uh, his call to arms of all the people in the country. He said acknowledging he's, he acknowledged that the politics are difficult. This was a reference to the failure to get measures through Congress earlier that year. And the president said change would not come from Washington. He said change will come from the only way that it has ever come. And that's from the American people. Now, the only now the problem with that is that this is a device as a divisive issue. Mm-hmm. So it's never going to be. The majority of the country wants people to, you know, wants the government to make stricter gun laws. But it is a lot of the country. But it's always if it's down the middle something's pro- it's probably never going to get passed, yeah. especially when the people who want it have the money. Yep. So the NRA right. and people putting money in these politicians' pockets and all this kind of stuff, that is going to contribute to things like this never happening. So he said change comes from the people, which I don't know is true because our government doesn't really seem to care much about what the people think. He said this in a speech to a full crowd. He also noted that it was the fifth time he had spoken at a, m- a memorial event for victims of a mass shooting since the start of his presidency in 2008. And unfortunately, it wasn't the last time. So in 2013, he said it was the fifth time. It went on to be however many times he had to do it, and it's been happening. Donald Trump, I don't think he has done it other than like, yeah, I heard that's that's crazy. Yeah, Donald Trump is like Donald Trump is like me, where it's like, damn, that's damn, that's crazy. That's (laughs) wild. Where Obama does a whole thing, we can't let people, and he's like, damn, yeah, I heard about that. That's wild. That's our president. Tweets it. That's our president now. Like, and that shit was crazy. FML. Come on, bro. It's just that's just no public speech or anything. Nothing. Trying to galvanize the people, put some motivate us, put put some pep in our step. I know it's a lot of. I, I have my. I have a lot of uh, downside things about Barack Obama to say as well. I don't think he was a perfect president. But one thing you can nobody say is, is though nobody is. But one thing you can say about Barack Obama, he's a decent. He was a decent human being, and you felt like he knew what he was doing, and that allowed me to go. Well, I'm just going to carry on with my life, man, because the president's going president. Yeah. And I'm going to go ahead and live my life because nothing the president does affects me. And uh, literally until this presidency, I it, I never realized like, oh, shit, like we might die. Yeah. You know, I never had that <laughs> feeling before, even because I saw a video. There's this documentary called Fahrenheit 11.9. And it's about all all it, it's one of those. Is Michael about Moore. Or no, it's about oh. it's about the Donald Trump becoming president. Oh. But it touches on everything. Flint, Michigan how Donald Trump became president, touching on Barack Obama. And it was the first time I ever saw something in that documentary. It was the first time I never even knew this. I was disgusted by Barack Obama. It made me sick. It made me go, damn, that's crazy. He went to Flint, Michigan, when kids were being poisoned by lead 
and people were being sick and the water was doing all these kind of things to people. He went to Flint, Michigan, and you know, black people love Barack Obama. Mm -hmm. Flint, Michigan is a predominantly black city in Michigan. He went to Flint, Michigan. When he went, everybody was like, yes, he's going to declare a state of emergency. He's going to get the water fixed. He's going to clean up the water, all this kind of stuff. Yay, Barack Obama's coming to town. He came to town. He rented out some kind of hall, big old room. A bunch of citizens from the city, from the city came, sat there, clapped when he came in the room, and he sat there and he did a he did a stunt. He was talking and he went, "Oh man, I'm thirsty," and they go, "Make sure the, the crowd's like, make sure you get bottled water." And no, no, it's cool, it's cool, man, I, I'm, it's all right. And he had a he got a glass of water and he drank that glass of water in front of all those people. And what that said to them is, the water's it's cool. The water's not that bad. Yeah, you know, I'll drink the water here. So it's not even that bad, which was a slap in the face of these people who were drinking yellow water and getting sick and all this type of shit. And he he basically just came there to go, well, we're not going to do anything for y'all. But here's me drinking water on camera to say it's not as bad as they're saying that it is. You know what I mean? And they went on and the water still fucked up in Flint. He never did anything for those people. And a lot of those people hate Barack Obama now. And a lot of those people that are black people in that city turned around and voted for Donald Trump because it was like, man, fuck Barack Obama. Mm. And fuck Hillary Clinton, she's part of the same system, so fuck her. I'm vo- fuck her and him. I'm voting for Donald Trump because Barack-, Barack Obama let us down. So, um, I don't think he's a perfect guy, but That's he. Bold. There are some things that people, when say they say he didn't get anything done, it was situations like this where the Congress didn't let him. He wanted to try to introduce some some new uh, some hush harsher gun restrictions and you know all this kind of stuff, and they were like, "Nah, that we're not doing that, bro. You can take that shit somewhere else." So sorry to get on my soapbox, but that is th- this story brought a lot of that out in me because it was in 2013. Barack Obama was still president. And after a bunch of kids got murdered in, at Sandy Hook Elementary, you would think if, if, if that didn't do it, nothing was going to do it. Mm-hmm. So him trying again after this naval shooting, when you go, well, now our soldiers are, aren't safe, right? That if the kids didn't do it, the last chance we have is the soldiers. That didn't work either. So Dang. there is nothing that what else can happen? Bunch of kids got shot at an elementary school. Bunch of civilians at a naval base got shot. There's no other kind of extreme situation that could happen that would make everybody go, yeah, man, we need to change these gun laws. So it's just not going to happen, is my point. But uh, so in this shooting, there were 13 fatalities in total. The suspect and 11 of the victims were killed at the scene, while a 12th victim who was shot in the head died at George Washington University Hospital. All the victims killed were civilian employees or contractors. Eight others were injured. Three of them were from gunshots. So a lot of that was just panic. Uh, a lot of them were just, you know, shit gets real. People start, you know, trampling people, and people got injured. Um, that was the story of Aaron uh, Aaron Davis. Wait, I'm sorry. Uh, Aaron, Aaron Alexis. And uh, that was my affirmative murder this week. Dang. Yeah, that was... Got into that one. Yeah, it was more, again, I'm sorry to get, like... <laughs> I don't know if political is the word. I don't. I, some things we use that word, and it's like, I just don't want people to get shot. Yeah. I don't think that's political or anything like that. But if it is, I'm sorry. And if you can't listen to our podcast when we do stuff like that, I respect it. You know, Deuces. You, can skip, you can skip for sure. But yeah. that's how I really feel about it. It's like I'm sorry, but I'm not really sorry. You can just move on. Yeah. And listen next time, or don't. Li- uh, whatever it is, I'm cool, man. Mm-hmm. I'm cool. Like I have a job. Like. I'm- <laughs> You know what I mean? Like Everybody if, has if, a right to their own opinion. That's what I'm saying. Like if you, you, can, you can listen to something else if you don't like what we did. But um, that was my affirmative murder. And oh. Fran, we're going to move on from that. And my question to you is, are you ready? What? Are you ready? No, 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 no. Uh, are you oh, ready? Oh, oh. Are you ready? 
Oh, yeah. oh, shit. <laughs> oh, okay. Are you ready? Yeah, yeah, no. I, oh, yeah, I am ready. Oh, okay. I forgot about this. Okay. Yeah, all right, well, let's, let's do that then. Let's do it. Okay. All right, let's do that then. And now, it's time for True Crime's Hottest Game Show. Frazzle. Alvin. Frazzle friend, frazzle friend, solves a riddle like no one can. If he fails, that's okay. He's a superstar either way. Look out, it's time to frazzle friend. That's right, folks. Welcome to Frazzle Alvin, uh, the bullshit <laughs> rule that Fran made up on a whim because he got a couple of riddles right. So now he's going to try to frazzle and fluster and flummox me. So, Fran, are you ready to frazzle me? This is bullshit. Uh, yeah. Okay. So I'm supposed to read the back. Right. You don't even know how it works. You're not even good at this. This is not yes. fair. You didn't give me a chance to pick one. I didn't even know that we... I forgot. I forgot this was even a thing. This is ridiculous. Okay, I got one for you. All right. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay. The case. Uh-huh. <clears throat> Julio okay. is an American citizen born in 1956. Okay. He has never been out of the country nor has he has he entered the single U.S. state. Okay. I'm sorry. Has he entered nor a has, single? No. Nor has he entered a single U.S. state. Okay. The mystery. Where does Julio live and what two states are closest to his home? Mm. The clues. Julio lives in the capital city on the U.S. mainland. Okay. Both states are sound. Or, I'm sorry. Both states are south of the Mason-Dixon line. Okay. Both states are smaller because of the place where Julio lives. Okay. Julio is often surrounded by foreigners. Julio works and pays taxes to the IRS. Mm -hmm. Julio can take a public transit to the two states closest to his home. Okay. Well, first of all, I want to say this is bullshit. <laughs> and I am participating because I'm a good sport. Sure. But um, uh, we'll make sure that when the, the this game is back in the rightful hands uh -huh. that it's supposed to be in, I will never take it easy on you again. And okay. Give you softball riddles. Mm -hmm. Now you need to answer this riddle. This is about okay. Uh, uh, it's a Puerto Rico. This is frazzle, frazzle it's, Alvin. Uh, it's Puerto Rico, for one. Uh, he is a, a he is a citizen, but uh, doesn't hasn't been to a state and pays taxes. He's in Puerto Rico, uh, right? That's your final answer. No, no. I, it's two parts. Okay. So I, I need to, in, in order for me to continue, I need to know if I got the first part right. I'll answer the second part, but I need no. to know. No. Okay. Oh wow. Oh, uh, so it's not Puerto Rico. Nope. Uh, uh, can you um can you read the um can you read it again? The whole thing. The whole, just, just the first couple sentences of the case. The of the case. Uh huh. Okay. Julio is an American citizen. Uh huh. Born in the born in nineteen fifty six. Uh huh. He has never been out of the country. Uh huh. Nor has he nor has he entered a single U S state. Okay. Uh huh. Okay. Um, it's not Puerto Rico. Okay. Uh. Okay. Okay. Uh. Okay. U.S. citizen. 
never been in a U.S. state and never been out of the country. Are those three things that I just said correct? Julio is an American citizen. He's never been out of the country. Born in 1956. Born in 1956. Has never been out of the country, nor has he entered a single U.S. state. Oh, he's Hawaiian. No. That's my final answer then. Hawaiian. You're wrong. You failed. You, for the record, though, before you even say what the answer is, you picked one that in a bajillion years you wouldn't even have, you wouldn't even have guessed uh, cl- even close. Hey, but this is not about me, sir. Okay, so it's not so it's not Puerto Rico and it's not Hawaii. No, because you're wrong. Okay, please tell me what I, what it is. Julio lives in Washington D.C. Uh, Maryland and, and Virginia yeah, are the closest states uh, to his home. Ladies and gentlemen. Oh, Alvin has been frazzled. Oh, yeah, it's not a state. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Well, well, Puerto Rico is not a state, but uh, Hawaii is a state, so um, that wouldn't work. Uh, Don't wow. Like that, do you, huh? Okay. Don't like that. Ah, uh, yeah. No, I've been frazzled for sure. Wow, DC. Ah, uh, yeah. My story was in DC too. Okay. Oh, yeah. All right. Well played. No, good play. Well played, man. Yeah, it's good for you. You did that. Uh, I've been frazzled this oh, week. Yeah. Uh, uh, been frazzled this week. Well played, Fran. Uh, great. Uh, See you guys next week on Frazzle Yeah, Alvin. This was another we won't. <laughs> this was fun and it was it's over now. Uh well we'll be back next week. And uh congratulations to Fran on that fun game. That was really fun and um it was great and frazzled. And everybody see it on your face, man. You don't like that too much. Uh, no, nah, man. I'm a good sport. Everything was fun. It was all fun, <laughs> and it'll be fun when we see you guys next week. And we uh, we'll see you then, or we'll see you at another time. Deuces. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>